everyone, Lisa J here, and we have Jeremy and Seamus on the line. Yo, yo. Hey. So, you know, Tristan isn't here with us today. Um, uh, why, why isn't he here today, guys? Uh, uh, we have so many Japan excuses. I don't know if we can keep using those. We can't keep using those. I think, I think the boy is like, listen, okay. I need a break from y'all. It is the summer. I need to go on vacation. I need to get me a tan, you know. He needs a break us... from us. All the oh, way well. around. <laughs> <laughs> You're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. But uh, we have a very special guest today. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, this man has written um, many things. Okay, he has dabbled in the Batman. He has dabbled in. I see. I usually. You, I'm just warn you, special guests who I have not introduced yet. I will add plurals to everything. So it's Batman, Superman, Spider Man's everything. Just to warn you. Okay. But we, as the Power Ranger fans, know him as the writer of Go Go Power Rangers, Mr. Ryan Parrot. Hello. Hello. I didn't know when I should chime in. I was laughing <laughs> the entire time, but I, I was like, do I just stay quiet until the very end? I want to make it a big deal. So, yeah, that's, it's a pleasure that's... to be here. Thanks for letting me come have, uh, have, have me on. That's not a problem. And and you feel free to laugh at any of my jokes. Okay. Um, especially mine. Yes, yeah, especially Jared, especially mine. Seamus, maybe. Uh, it's quite oh, right. wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite Whoa. Right. It's quite all right. Uh, so um, thank you so much for being with us today. And it's wonderful to have, I believe, I want to say, I want to say, I might go out on a limb, that you are our first guest in the comic realm. Oh, really? Oh, wow. You brought yeah. me in before Kyle, and I am really, really flattered. I di- we did, you know, because, I mean, Rangers, meh. Producers, <laughs> meh. Who need those guys? <laughs> the writers of comics. That's who we need now. But no, but we are, we're really happy to have you here um, because, first off, I would just like to say that we are so thankful for you, for Kyle, the team at Boom, everybody who puts together these comics for us to read and to enjoy because we're used to Power Ranger comics back in the day. We're Mm. used to Power Ranger comics even as recent as a few years ago that weren't really written for us. So (laughs) we are very appreciative of your work. And so we just going to buddy her up in the beginning, (laughs) y'all. That's awesome. No, I thank you. I, it's been, it's been really fun to sort of be in the, the Power Ranger fan world and getting to meet everybody and, and hearing, uh, that similar sentiment of, of people being very excited about what Boom's doing. And, and they've done, I really have to give all the credit to, to, to Daphne and, and, and everybody there who, who runs the thing. They, they, they really do have a great sense of, of what I think the fans want and, and, and that finding that nice little balance of being, you know, nostalgic, but yet being, uh, mature enough for for modern audiences and stuff, but they are they are fantastic. So I'm really glad that it speaks to uh, speaks to people. It's great. It's wonderful. So of course we have to start off by saying or by asking. So like, did you grow up as a fan? Did you watch the show? Did you, <laughs> uh, or did you have to research uh, like a couple of years ago, like full <laughs> on ahead? How did you get into Power Rangers? Well, I think I was, I think it came out, was it 93 or 94? That was 93. The, 93, okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was, I was just, I was like 13. So I was just starting to like 
get in girls and and school and stuff and like finally so like I think I was just like a, just a slightly I just missed it by like a year or two because right. I remember seeing the first season and watching like half of that but I didn't really watch it after that I I sort of I've had to go back and 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 even sadly after the fact even been like write something and go you should go watch that episode 17 of season 1 cuz you're stealing from that I'm like oh great so uh but yeah <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I got. I remember, I I had a crush on Kimberly. I mean, that was kind of the biggest thing. I was thirteen, and I was like, that the the Pink Ranger is amazing. Uh, but that was sort of how I got into it. Um, was sort of it was just I was just a little bit old. But I've gone since gone back and done uh, some heavy deep dive watching, uh, and watched a lot of summary videos, especially when we got into Shattered Grid and all the other seasons started coming because I didn't even really know that it had been on the air for twenty five years straight when I got the gig. I was just straight as a. It's a well, strong right. term. <laughs> yeah. It's zigzagged. You're right. You're right. Yeah. It's zigzagged. We get to get um, some years. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But um, but like I didn't realize that it had been. It was such a that it had been on for such a long period of time, and that they had all these new teams and all that stuff. So when I kind of stepped back in, I was like, wow. It was just. It was sort of. It was. It was daunting. Uh, mm-hmm. it's still a little daunting to get through all of them. It's. It's a lot. It's a lot of hours of television. Um. But yeah, I came in late to the game. But I've, I, with Shattered Grid, I had to start watching stuff so I knew who the heck we were talking about. Um, but and it's been fun to sort of catch up and see all the different versions. It's so crazy how, how the how the show is made and how and how it's interpreted and and where. That's the best thing about going to conventions. You meet people and everybody has their favorite team and their favorite mm-hmm. character, and it's like hours and hours of debate. And like that's the best part about being in this for me. And so, how did you end up writing for GoGo? Um, I got the gig because, weirdly enough, I was on a, a panel at, I think it was uh, Long Beach Comic Con, and Daphna was running it, and it was about writing licensed comics, and we had a long, we got a drink afterwards, and everybody was just sort of talking about it, and, I, and she was like, you know, we're thinking about, because I, I, I've been friends with Kyle since college. Right. Um, yeah, and so he told me when he was first, like, interviewing for the job. Uh, and I was like, oh, wow, they're bringing that back to comics. That seems like a good idea. And he's like, yeah. So he was pitching me really early versions of like the first Draken arc and all that stuff. And so I just was like, that's cool. And then little did I know later on that I would be sitting next to Daphne. And she was like, hey, we're thinking about doing um, a Power Ranger sequel to the movie. Uh, to And I was like, and he's like, and you've worked in movies and you've worked in, you, you seem like you know how to do that. So like, would you be interested in pitching on that? And I was like, yeah, that'd be great. So we pitched around some ideas on that. And I was like, great. And so I did that. And it was like a four issue graphic novel. Um, and in the middle of that, she was like, we really like what you did. Uh, we're thinking about doing a sequel or a prequel book to uh, Mighty Morphin uh, called Go-Go. Uh, that's much more like a Riverdale kind of thing, which is much more focused on the, on like the, 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 the teenage life and less on the monsters and the mythology, but more focusing on them as characters. And I was like, I'm in, that's exactly what I want to do. And so I pitched and we played around that and that's how I got the gig. And then what's funny is after that, she was like, do you, do you know Kyle? I was like, yeah, I went to college with Kyle. <laughs> so it was this <laughs> weird thing where they had no idea that we knew each other. And it was a very weird, uh, I've been, hang, I've been like, hanging on that guy's coattails for years. So it's, it's nice to be back in the shadow. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> I need to, I need to rewind for a second. Er, you pitched for, the witch movie that we're talking about? Talking no. About uh, Are you talking about the Aftershock comic? Yes, the Aftershock comic. That was the first okay. thing that I wrote. Yeah. It's the, so they made the movie, like the, the, yes. Yeah. And then yes. Boom released, um, the Aftershock, uh, yes. The Aftershock book. And so I wrote that. Yeah. They were just gotcha. like, hey, we're thinking about doing this. And so I just sort of bounced some ideas and we ended up, it was fun because they basically were like, 
uh, you can't do that because we might want to do that in the next movie. You can't do that because we might want to do that next movie. So it was like six pitches in a row where they were like, no, maybe, no, 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 maybe. <laughs> so it's like, okay. So yeah, it was a very complicated and long and exhausting process. I guess the next question would be then the collaboration process between you, Dan Mora, and the Saban crew. What was that like? They they don't say no. Like, they really haven't said no to anything that I've done, and they've been so helpful in regards to sort of, like, you know, it's, when you're doing a prequel book, you have to deal with the stuff that's already happened, and you have to deal with all of the mythology and making sure you don't step on other people's stories because they're far more knowledgeable about, you know, uh, just just what's been covered in that world and what's what's well trotted territory. So for me, uh, you know, I work with I work with the the people at Boom and we we work up the projects and then we basically bring them the stories and and they kind of say yes and no and and they're sort of they're hand in hand through the the entire process. Um, I, it's been I mean I haven't had any problems. It's been great and fun and and they actually have some great ideas like stuff that they'll be like you know they do this in this episode you might want to reference that and I was like oh that's a really great idea. So it's it's very. Um, it's very accumulative, I guess. I don't know if that's the best word to describe it, but that's what I'll go with. I'm a writer. Yeah. <laughs> I just like, I'm a writer. <laughs> it's accumulative. Yeah, sure. I do but, things. Yeah. I would like to go back a little bit to the movie comic a little bit. And you said that there was like a lot of basically landmines that you were dodging when it came to pitching this sort of thing. Um, can you just talk a little bit about, was it, did you have to work with Lionsgate for that as well? Did you have to work with, or was it just Saban? And what was that process like if it was with Lionsgate as well? Well, it was when I say landmines. It was because, and this is probably stuff I probably shouldn't say, but we're fine now. Um, uh, is that I wrote the comic before I actually saw the finished movie? Oh, uh, yeah, because they basically came to me and they were like, "Hey, so we're at, we're halfway through the movie. Um, you're gonna do. We want to do a sequel comic. Do you want to come in?" So I came in and I read the script. Um, a very early draft of the script. And then basically off the script, I had one three hour sit down with like, you know, you got to sit in the room and they've sit across from you and make sure they're not photographing anything. And then you read it once. And then I had took a bunch of notes and then I went and like pitched ideas to, to, to boom and what we wanted to do. And then they kind of took the ideas that we'd like to, to Saban and basically were, because we were such an early part in the process, like movie hadn't even come out yet there and they were, and they'd announced, you know, they were going to do what? 12 movies or I can't remember it was a lot it was a lot <laughs> it was six yeah but yeah so they 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 knew they had ideas for what they wanted to do in the line so they were very sort of like these are the things you can talk about these are the things you can't do because we want to kind of keep they wanted they didn't have any I don't like I never heard any pitches for what the movies would be but they basically were like we have ideas and what they wanted to do so there was just areas that I wasn't allowed to touch um, I can't say what those are because I, you know, that, that'll get me in trouble. But, um, but that was the way it sort of worked. It was very sort of like, I would throw, it was like a dartboard. I'd like throw ideas out and then they'd be like, yes, no, yes, no. And I was like, oh, and it was mostly no, 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 maybe no. Um, but yeah, cause they, just, they didn't want to cut off anything, especially because they didn't know. And then what they would do also is as they would change things in the movie, they would basically let me know. They're like, Oh, by the way, this doesn't happen anymore. Or by the way, we've changed this part because they were adjusting obviously in post and, and moving things around. So there was a few things that I had to, I had to sort of tinker with as you went along, but it's, that's a hard process to do, to, to write in the middle of, cause when I saw the movie, the premiere, I was like, Oh, yeah, that's not what I thought was going to happen. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, we noticed that when reading it that there were some parts like, uh, what was it, Kimberly and Jason were clearly was, flirting in your comic. Yeah, that was the big one because like when we watched the movie on DVD, a lot of the Jason Kimberly stuff ended up on the cutting room floor. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. There was a lot of back yeah. and forth there at the end with the book with like, cause like, cause it's a big subplot. You can't pull that. Like, like, and, but, and I think they were even debating whether or not to keep it in as well until the, the sort of the last hour. I don't know. Like, cause I, I've seen, cause it's, the, it's in the trailer too. One of the early trailers has yeah. them yes. kissing. So I'm not giving anything away there. Yeah. So like, no, yeah, it was, it was a very, it was a, it was a, it was a tough process because I was like, wait, if you pull it, I don't know what this scene is. I, I, it's, I don't. That's one of the weird, fun things about comic books. It's like the, the double-edged sword of comics is that um, you can change every – so once, at the very last second, you can change all the dialogue on a page and completely rewrite a scene. And you can't do that at any other medium. You know, you can't you, – once you've shot something, it's shot, right? It's a movie. It's mm-hmm. done. But with comics, they're like, you know what? Change entirely what they're saying. So they're sitting on the bed and now they're talking about panda bears, you know, like you can just change anything <laughs> at any point. So there was a few adjustments at the very end where there was stuff that they were like, you can't, that's not in the movie anymore. So we have to rework that. So it's, you know, it's difficult, but you know, and it was I, a fun and process. I do want to follow up uh, for the comic noobs. Now I will fully admit, right. That out of all of us, I am the comic noob. I, you know, you you dabble in a few comics here and there, but like Power Rangers, these both of these comics is really the one that I have read the longest, that I deep dive, that I talk about all the time. So for the newbies, because I know I'm not the only one, uh, how long is it where we see the comic in our hands till to where you have written that particular issue? Oh wow, um, it's something like. Three, maybe, well, okay, when you first start a series, you, you get a little bit more runway. Like, you'll write the first three or four issues ahead of time, mm-hmm. and then the art starts to come in when you're basically writing, like, the fourth issue, right? Um, and that, that you do that so that you have a little bit, because eventually there's going to be hiccups, there's going to be setbacks, your scripts are going to come in late, or art's going to take longer than you expect, or, you know, uh, or sh- shipping dates are shifted and whatnot. So um, you want to give yourself just a little bit of room so that everything keeps coming out on time. Uh, but that window starts to shrink a little bit more and more and more. So it, the, the coolest thing I think about comics in regards to like the, the, what you just mentioned about you know the time – because I'll write a script, right, and I'll hand it off to the artist. And then I'll start writing the next script. And while I'm writing that script, the artist is drawing the pages. And so I'm getting those pages back as I'm writing the second and third script. So there's moments when I'll look back and go, oh, you know what? I want to plant this in the third issue. I can change the lettering in the first issue and I can suggest this or I can add this or I can reference this line. And so there's a really it's a and it's a nice reminder of like where you to get the art back while I'm writing the third issue. When I get the first issue, it's a nice reminder of like, oh, that's where I went. That's what I'm setting up. Uh, that's where I'm paying off. So it's this kind of cool ping pong effect of going back and forth. Um, and that goes through all of comics. It's, it's just a it's a nice sort of reminder that like you're like where you went and where you're going. I got you. I got yeah. you. All right. So now Seamus is going to go back and ask you another question. <laughs> you guys have so, good energy. Yeah. This is awesome. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah. So uh, talk a little bit about the creation of the character of Matt, because unlike the others, he didn't really exist in the TV show. Yeah. Oh, and before you do, this is at the point of the show where if you have not read Go Go Power Rangers, okay? I'm gonna need you to pause. I'm gonna need you to pause this recording or this podcast, whatever you're listening to uh, with any listening device that you have, okay? You are going to go to the store, the comic shop on 
July 11th and pick up Go Go Power Rangers Volume 1, okay? You're going to pick that up because I know, like, if you haven't read it, then you don't have it in your hand, and therefore you are waiting for this trade to come out so that you can read Go Go Power Rangers, all right? So you're going to pick that up July 11th in comic shops and... If, you know, you want to wait around a little bit and wait for bookstores to come out the next week, you can do that too. But however, this is so good. I don't want you guys to be spoiled right now because we're getting into spoilering <laughs> places. Okay? So we don't, want, we don't want you to be spoiled. So pause, go get it, and then come back and listen. And now you can continue. Right. <laughs> I love the idea of pausing and then time traveling. And it's like three weeks later, you come back <laughs> at this exact moment. That's like, that's fun. Um, yeah. So Matt, okay. So Matt came up because, um, when we were, when you were writing the, so we basically were like, okay, go, go is going to be a prequel book. It's going to be, takes place the day after, um, the day of the dumpster. And we'll sort of follow, uh, you know, sort of follow them along in those early days of the adventures and how they became the power rangers that we know today. Right. Well, I was worried that if we're just going to follow these characters that we know, I, I was I was worried that there would be sort of no stakes um, because it was like, hey, well, we can't put them in danger because we know they're going to be fine. Uh, right. And so it, there was there was something fun about bringing in a character that we didn't know and and sort of and like so we were like, OK, well, what do, what do we what are things that we've sort of come to expect or something we took for granted? I thought, well, wait, there'd be something really interesting if, you know, there's these five friends and we've always thought of them as five friends. What if there was a sixth friend? What if there was a friend who was dating Kimberly and and was friend with with uh, with um, Zach and Jason and Billy and was part of that group but wasn't there the day that they got their powers? Uh, how would he react to these close friends all of a sudden having this shared secret that he didn't he didn't wasn't a part of? What would that do to them? What would that do to their relationships? All that stuff. And it just created such a it created sort of a weird mind, like landmine in the middle of the of the of the series where you're just like, wow, like I I, I, I came from a part of when I was in high school, I went uh, I was friends with a bunch of my friends um, and we split high schools. They built a new high school when we were in eighth grade. And so four of us went to one high school and then two and one other two other guys went to the other new high school. And we tried to hang out on weekends and stuff. And it was great. But at one point, basically, we just realized that we just don't have anything in common because we're over at this other high school. And we just we just sort of drifting away. And I thought, wouldn't that be crazy if that happened? But you could never tell the new friend why you were drifting away. And so I just mm. thought there was a there was a there was a weird tragedy to that. And like, because you just be like, Matt, being like, why are you guys? Why do you guys stop talking whenever I walk around? Is there something wrong with me? Is there something? What's going on? And and that structure and that pain and that frustration would give to Kimberly as well to not be able to share that part of her life with somebody that she really cares about. So that that's really where it came from. It just it created a lot of uh, you know turmoil within the group that I thought oh, that I thought highlighted some of the the pitfalls of what it would be like to actually be a superhero in high school. Come now, now to be honest, right? Did you did you were you thinking of yourself being Matt, right? I mean, I'm didn't... not. I'm not going to say I didn't. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you're not the first person. I'll say this way. You're not the first person to accuse me of that. And I will. <laughs> Boy, that, that thing about prequels, it really reminds me of stuff like the show Better Call Saul, where it's like you have this unique, uh, you know, challenge in front of you where 
you want to create new stuff. You want to give a reason to engage the fans, but at the same time, in the back of their mind, they're thinking, well, nothing's going to happen to this character. Nothing's going to happen to that character. I know where they are in two or three years. I know exactly what's going to happen to them. So you really have to find a creative way to integrate new stuff while still paying homage to the old stuff. Yeah. I mean, one of the things I thought was, uh, uh, not to pat myself on the back, but one of the things I really enjoyed that I didn't really intend when I started the book was uh, in issue three, um, there is, uh, we do a flashback to uh, young Billy and he's playing on the playground with Skull. Yeah. And yeah. And it was weird when I realized, like, I was like, oh, that would be really interesting if they had been friends as like little kids and then just split apart. That was a similar thing that happened to me in high school. There was a kid that I was best friends with when I was in like elementary school and he ended he ended up becoming a, like kind of a bully. And I was like, wow, that's I'm going to do that. And so I, I just thought it created sort of this weird like I think those are the things if you can find in prequels, like take those things that you have always assumed and then sort of turn them on their heads or or create connections and relationships that you just sort of you you thought oh I never I never what if they were the opposite of that you know like the original star trek the not the original but the JJ Star Trek did a really great job of that with Kirk and Spock like where you're like oh they weren't always friends they were enemies to start and it's it's really interesting to try and find those I think those are where you end up finding it it, it forces you to create a com, uh, a, a more complex character you know, like, cause it's, you start to like, well, wait a minute, if they were friends, then why did they split and why aren't they friends now? And then all of a sudden it's sort of, you, you just keep asking more and more questions and the questions end up creating the story for you. Mm-hmm. Man, yeah. that exact same thing happened to me. I had a best friend in second grade, had the same name as me, and then he just got popular and I did not. Yeah. It's, it's weird, right? It sucks. Yeah. Cause, cause you look back and you're like, we were like. We used to play around and stuff. I, I stole you. We used to trade GI Joes and stuff. And now you you throw water balloons at me in the parking lot. <laughs> right? Oh, yeah, it's rough. Painful. Were there any other real life inspirational moments in your life that seeped its way into GoGo? Um, you yeah. Trapped on the moon, right? You got yeah, trapped on the moon. <laughs> I was trapped on the moon. I was trapped on the moon, and I had a guy who was my doppelganger, basically, you know, date my girlfriend for a little while. That was weird. It's cool. She still talks about him. Um, but, uh, <laughs> uh, the only thing that I brought, I think, I'm trying to, the, the big one um, was uh, there's a part in, uh, so I made it that Jason's father uh, is dealing with some health issues. Uh, and, uh, my mother was diagnosed with, uh, multiple sclerosis when I was in high school. And, uh, so I just, and what was difficult about it was, is that I didn't really tell anybody about it. And, uh, it's just one of the things you don't tell anybody, but it's, it just, it's so it's like an extra layer of weight, uh, in your high school years where you're having to deal with these, these health issues, but you don't really tell anyone and you're sort of, and it, and it kind of gives you a weird perspective on, on all the things you think are really important in high school where you're like, oh man, that girl didn't return my phone call or whatever and then you're just like by the way my mom is you know in the in the hospital so i thought there would be something adding that like i i didn't want i wanted him to add those things onto the power rangers in the sense of like just because they they, they're saving the world like they have to keep saving the world they have to keep fighting greedy monsters but yet their normal life doesn't stop and they still have to deal with all of the same issues that everybody else in high school has to deal with and then like i just thought wow like they're dealing with life and death situations every day and yet he's dealing with life and death at home in a very personal way uh and so i just wanted to add that element in and stuff but like there's a lot of little things lots of like relationship stuff but that was sort of one of the bigger ones yeah and what I love about this comic is because you do get to delve deeper into the characters themselves. Not to say that 
Mighty Morphin comic doesn't do that now. Like, we ain't trying to throw some shade. We're not doing that. You can throw However, as much shade as you guys like. That's okay. Oh, snap! Oh, snap! <laughs> um, but you, with, especially when you are, you're not, not necessarily limited, but you have the ability to kind of focus on a few characters and kind of delve a little deeper into their stories, then you get to, especially with Jason, because Jason on the TV show, I mean... I mean, all right, fine. You know, he a handsome young guy who does karate and <laughs> and is the leader, and he could do and he like says it's morphing time really well. That's, I mean, like no shade, no shade to uh, Jason the character, but with this, especially when he's uh, talking with Zordon and. I, I, as as anyone would do, would go up to be like, yo, Zordon, can you help my dad? Like, yeah. oh boy, mm-hmm. like, my dad is sick <laughs> and he won't let me know. What's up? What's up? Can you do something? He's like, nah. I'm like, really? I'm a Power Ranger, <laughs> I can't do nothing. Yeah. How many times do I got to save the world before I can charge up something and you can, like, put it on my, my debit card? Like, come on, help oh me out a little. Yeah. Yes. Right. And then, like, just the frustration that we have felt on the show with Zordon at times in the, in the TV show, in the TV show, and then, like, the comics are, like, literally saying the things that we're saying. I'm just like, yeah, Zordon, do, do, do a thing. Do something. Something that is not just right now that you are conveniently just telling them for the moment. Just do something. Yeah. So, yeah. No. Well, yeah, I, I think that's one of the things that, like, what you, you sort of nailed it with, like, why I, I didn't really, when I started writing comics, I didn't really know what it was that I wanted to write and why I wanted to write it. But then when we started working on this book and I was talking to, to Daphne and Matthew and, and Alex and some of the early editors, like, we kept talking about why we, why do we love these characters? Like, why did these, like, these, I know everybody has their favorite, their favorite Power Rangers, but these particular, the first ones, there's something about them that we still, we stuck, that they stuck with you. Like, they're, they're a lot of people's favorite. And I was thinking about, how you know if we don't show like there's it's, the theme of the book should be in a weird way is like if you don't enjoy the the little moments in between the fighting the putties and fighting the monsters and and morphing like what's what are you fighting for you know like wh- i want to see I, I like the scenes of them hanging around and sitting on this uh, like i like the scene in the second issue where they're standing on on the stadium and they're talking about the fact that that, that zach wants an instant like he was like social media that he could tweet with people or the fact that someone was impersonating a yellow ranger and going out on a first date and treating was like that's not cool like those like like the small little in-between beats that's what i think we all that's why we read comics a little bit that's because i i like the downtime, like, I don't know about if you got, like, my, one of my favorite X-Men comic books of all time is, like, X-Men number one by Jim Lee, and there's a whole four-page scene that's just about them playing basketball, and I love that. I love those <laughs> moments, and so I thought that was what was be so much fun is, like, it, otherwise, it's just, it's just a long line of fights and losing and winning, and it just feels, like, repetitive, and I, so I just thought there's just so much more fun about being able to settle down and dig into these people and try to treat them as real real, real high school people with real problems and, and real hopes and dreams and stuff like that, and I think that just makes it more relatable for, for to us, hopefully. Yeah, I think one of the things that fans don't necessarily always talk about is that as much as we love MMPR, we, we look at it as, as we were when we were kids because, in reality, the original MMPR Rangers didn't have a ton of personality. Right. They were very they were very much, you know, the nerd, the jock, and it didn't really go much deeper than that. And a lot of the personality was stuff that we projected upon them about ourselves and the people that we knew. Totally. So, yeah. And that's why I think um 
as fans, like later on in years, like why, why we love seasons like Dino Thunder, because it felt like MMPR, but they actually gave them the personalities. And that's why we're loving this these comics now is because it's literally the stuff that was in our heads finally actually being given legitimacy. Totally. I couldn't I couldn't agree more. Um, the, the other thing I was interested in that you uh, that we were talking about before was and so the whole idea of the collaboration with Kyle, because um, I, when I think about events, you know, I always think about comics from like the 90s or even um, recently Marvel got a lot of backlash in recent years where it was whole, the whole idea of you have this big event and it's like, OK, I just read Web of Spider-Man and now I have to read Amazing Spider-Man or else I will not know what happens the next time I read an issue of Web of Spider-Man, yeah. you know, where it's like you are so required to buy all these comics. So I was, and what's great about Shattered Grid is yes, it's only two comics. So it would be easy to follow along anyway. But the fact that you've got this big main storyline going on in MMPR and your storyline, you know, it's a nice compliment to it, but it's also one of those things where it's like, you don't need to read both. It helps, but it's not necessary. And I was wondering, like, was there any more push on you to, you know, maybe weave them together more? Or is this exactly what you wanted from the beginning? Like, what was the process of working with Kyle on that? Well, it, it, yeah, I, and I agree. I, I, I tweeted something out the other day about this because I was just thinking, like, there's so many comic books. Like, I just don't know how fans continue to keep, like, how they show their their dedication to these books and keep buying them. I'm like, I don't know how you, like, the fact that people keep buying Bogo is, like, the, the greatest compliment ever because it's just, they have so many options. It's amazing. And I can't even imagine, like, trying to keep up with, like, like, I remember I have the stack of Age of Apocalypse and I have like a, in a box and I was just like, I bought all of those comics. It's like mm -hmm. 75 comics. I was yeah. like, gee, many Christmas. It's huge, right? But so, yeah, but to answer your question. Um, so when I came on, when GoGo started, um, they Kyle had already sort of been planning and thinking about Shattered Grid before before I ever came on board. So that that his that boat was already sort of going. Um, and so I and we started writing it, and and we got to the point where we're like, okay, so there's an opportunity to have this be a crossover between Shattered Grid and and uh, sorry between Mighty Morphin and GoGo. If you want to do it, they didn't make me do it. They were like, if you don't want to do it, you don't have to, because we don't, you're doing a good job and we like what you're doing. We don't want to derail it. So we went in and sat down and talked about how we could do it. And when, when Kyle was like, we were going back and I, I was kind of like, look, I, if we do this, because I didn't want to do this. I, there's a, one of my favorite comic book events is, uh, it was J. Michael Straczynski's run of Thor. And mm -hmm. he did this incredible story where like Asgard was in like Oklahoma, I think it was or whatever. And then it did so well all of a sudden they turned it into a crossover event and it derailed the story in my opinion. And I was like, I don't, let's not do that. If this doesn't fit in organically, if we can't make this work, then let's not derail what I'm doing. I want to keep this. Cause if, if we, if all of a sudden we're like small personal story, small personal story, and then we do then we do, you know, shattered grid and it's a giant war and all this stuff. It's just not, it's going to feel like we, I don't know how we go back to small stories again. Anyways. So long story was we talked about it. so when he told me, Hey, we could do Kimberly, and I was like, oh, absolutely. Yes, now we have to do it. Because I realized that bringing Kimberly from the from the Shattered Grid, sorry, from the Draken universe in could do so many interesting things for the characters and what it would, and it, would it sort of, it, it, it tied up a lot of the threads that I had sort of laid in there in ways I hadn't really intended them to. Um, so that was the way that we, we approached it there. But um, but I, I think that I did I answer the question properly. I don't know. Yeah. And I think you, well, that Thor storyline, the whole what made that storyline work so well was that it was extraordinary characters in ordinary situations. Yes. And then when you make it a big event, you make it extraordinary situations. So it just becomes a regular old comic again. 
Oh yeah, like the best part of that, one of those issues is like Thor and them get invited to like a neighborhood meeting and they have pie. And yes. it's, it's, it's the Norse <laughs> gods walking into like a community center and being like, oh, we heard there was pie. And like, it's just like, that's what I want to see. That's awesome. I don't want to see the Avengers attack Asgard. I'm like, I, that, I know what's going to happen there. So mm -hmm. yeah, that's what I wanted to make sure that we we stayed. But um, but yeah, that was, you know, so there was never really any pushback. It was, it was more, uh, it was more for making sure that we could do it in a way that let Kyle tell the story he wanted to in the direction. And, and I didn't want to derail any of the work that he put in because he put so much work in. Um, but when we were able to find a way that, that they could kind of go hand in glove, it, it was really a fun, it's been really fun to sort of be a part of it now too, because um, I think it's brought a lot of people to the book who might normally have been like, eh, I don't need to read the prequel book. I already know, you know, there's, there, you know, there's that. So I'm glad that it sort of, it brought new readers in, and yet, like what you said, it's like I don't think you have to read Shattered Grid to know what's going on in Gogo. Maybe you do. It'd be kind of confusing if you didn't know who Draken was. So maybe I don't know. But yeah, that's so that's why. Like, I, they brought people to the book who wouldn't normally have read it. Yeah. I apologize. I'm a long-winded person. No, no, <laughs> no, no. Great. That is no, a great we, thing to be. You know, no, you, know you know what the main question is, and I know I'm sure the answer to this question is probably Dan Mora, but. Whose idea was it to make Billy's dad look exactly like David Yost? Uh, is, is it David Yost? Because I've never gotten conf confirmation of that. Uh, it looks exactly like it? David uh, okay. Yost. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I have to, I have to plead the fifth on this one. I don't know. It is, it is, am <laughs> it is amazing. They got, they got his, they got his present day hairline scarily uh, accurate. That guy, he stayed in good shape, uh, yes. regardless of whether or not he's in the comic or not. I just like that. Yeah, him and Tommy have have, have kept it together. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Uh, so uh, we have a couple more questions before we uh, let you go. And uh, I think Seamus has another one for you. So, yeah, obviously you had talked a little bit earlier about, like, putting references in the story to, like, later things or, you know, even referencing stuff in Shattered Grid. How do you keep the stories from being too bogged down in those in those references, but also trying to keep some of, the, some of them in for the hardcore fans? Um, yeah, I... I don't know. I think that's just like a, a like a moment by moment kind of writing stuff. Like I, I like to. Whenever you can find that, actually comes from that comes from the people at Boom a little bit. That comes from Dan. There's a lot of little references and stuff that Dan is able to throw into the book. Like it's been really a, a pretty amazing. I, I've worked with some really talented people, but Dan is by far the most talented artist I've ever worked with. He's just. He's he's if this was a he's like a director who does everything well perfectly like he does great he does great you know he can do the small emotional stuff really well but he can also do the big action sequences and one of the things we try to do in every book is we try to do kind of like we try to do something special with like the morphing sequence or the 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 there's an uh, there's a fold out issue in issue four where you see the Megazord and it's like a it's like a infographic of how it comes together like that stuff like Dan and like some of that's me saying hey Dan we can try this and some of it's Dan being taking it and just running with it. So sometimes those references that I get credit for are totally Dan, and sometimes the ones that Dan get credit for are totally mine. Uh, but I, Dan's such a big Power Ranger fan uh, that he he does such a great job of being able to, to like drop in little things and stuff. Like there's in uh, in a coming issue, there's a there's like uh, if you look at um, Finster's table, there's like all these little like molded stuff. And a lot of those I think are, are, are monsters that he's pulled out of the series and stuff and, and done, done a great job. And he likes to throw those in and I, then I take credit for them later. This is issue 11 you're talking about. Yeah. I, it yeah. might not be 11. I think it might be something else, but I don't know. For uh, sure. Yeah. Okay. All right. I don't want to spoil right. anything. So. No, 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 no. All right. 
And then, and something that sort of goes off another question that you were talking about earlier, do you ever worry that when you're writing these like big emotional moments or even these big, you know, like they're fighting a giant Zord made up of season two Zords and things like that. Do you ever worry that sometimes the reader will think like, why aren't they mentioning that in, in the main MMPR comic? What's up with that? Uh, I don't worry. Oh, you mean in regards to like the time travel of it all? Like the idea that stuff that happens in my book is obviously stuff that that happened in that. If if we're saying they're both in the same timeline, is that what you're saying? Well, it's it's more a thing of yeah, yeah. If they're in the very same timeline, uh, then it's a a thing of like obviously like if they're fighting like a giant thing that's made up of season two Zords. If in the main MVR comic they eventually end up getting those Zords, isn't somebody gonna be like, hey, wait a minute? Hmm. What's uh, up with yeah. That? <laughs> um, well, I, I kind of I try and rely on the editors to remind me of that stuff because they're the ones who run both books. And there's stuff that Kyle's writing in his book sometimes that I'm not aware of until – like I'll, I, I read it with you guys sometimes. Like there was, there was a lot – I'm just like, oh, I should probably – like the anniversary episode that just came out. I was just like, oh, I should read this because there might be stuff in there that's going to pop up in my book. Uh, but the, the, the editors do I think a pretty good job of, of making sure that we don't – that they keep everything kind of in line. Uh, but um, yeah, I mean, there's I, there's definitely stuff that like we do try and cross the books over whenever possible. Like I think in one of the issues, like there's a scene between Kimberly and her mother in Mighty Morphin and Kimberly's mother actually mentions Matthew, even though we never you never see him in Mighty Morphin. Um, so there's that stuff and there's little things in there and like, like there's little beats and stuff that I try when I do read, I'm like, Oh, I can throw that in. Or if there's a saying that the mother or father has said or something that like, or, or a teacher, I try to do that. Like just try to find little things so that we can try to connect the book, even in the slightest way so that they do feel completely down the line, you know, like, like one like road. Billy's yeah. internship interview yeah. with the company that's in the MMPR comic. Exactly, exactly. That was an opportunity because I knew I wanted him to do something and then when Kyle pitched me what that was, and I was like, oh, that, that'll be great. That'll, that'll make sense, hopefully. <laughs> now, and this goes back a little bit to what you're talking about with talking with Saban and all that. In terms of, obviously, things in the comic do not always like mesh up with what happened in the TV show. Obviously, the whole dragon thing obviously did not happen in the TV show. Right. When working with, but obviously some of like the events in your comic, of course, are based on things that we saw in the show. How much of the series is sacred ground to Saban, or I guess now Hasbro? How much of the show is sacred ground? Don't touch it. Don't alter this very important thing. And, and how much of it is just like, I mean, that was in the show, but it kind of sucked, so you don't have to pay attention to it. <laughs> um, that, you know, that is entirely a sort of, like, it just sort of, like, the way I, the way that they sort of approach it to me and the way Kyle has said it is, like, the books, the, the books are kind of a remix, right? So they're sort of, like, how we, re like, I like the way he said it. He's like, I write the Power Ranger books the way that I remember them. So, um, so that's the way I sort of do, say, I do the same thing. I think of it in regards to, like, the tone. But when it comes to, like, specific stuff, um... I think it's like anything. If they'll, if I want to change something or I want to adjust something slightly, they'll give me the, they'll let, they'll hear me out. If it's cool and it's well done and stays uh, on, it stays true to the series, um, and I can justify it, they'll let me do it, right? But if it's just if I just want to change something willy nilly, or like oh, I want, I want, you know, Billy's dad to be this person or whatever, like they won't do, they won't do that. They, they, I have to have reasons for anything that I would that would even push up against um, something that would go out of continuity with the series uh, in, in the, you know, so, but if you do it, if you can make a compelling emotional argument or uh, a, a strong character reason for it, they will listen. They are, they're very open-minded about that stuff. And finally, if you had your choice, there were no rules, no holds 
bar. You could do whatever you want. What type of Power Rangers story would you tell? Uh, ooh, um, I mean, gosh, this is going to sound like such a cop-out answer. But the one that I'm doing now, honestly, I these are my favorite Rangers. They always were. Uh, they <laughs> And this is the type of story that I that I would want to tell. I want to tell those early days. I'd want to try and keep it as, as grounded as, as you can in a world where, you know, teenagers drive giant robots and fight monsters from the moon. So I think you have to, you know, I, 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 I like that. I try to keep everything sort of as an allegory for real life problems and try to, as metaphors for that. So this is the story I would want to do. I, I, you know, it'd be fun to do, a, you know, if I ever got to, it'd be great to be able to be like, to play in the sandbox of the TV show and actually get to come up with my, create my own Rangers and, and like, I'm not going to say that I haven't done that already. <laughs> like just make my own ideas. Like, you know, it'd be fun if they were all like this. Like I, that would be like, cause it's, it's, this is a long winded way of answers, but like one of the things I love about Power Rangers so much is to me, it's sort of the American, it's not even American, but the American version of Doctor Who in a weird way where it's like, it comes in, it's, it's, it's slightly cheesy in the sense that like the production value is a little wonky in some areas and you've had to make some weird character story choices because of the way that the shows are constructed um and i think that that's the charm of it i think that's why we like it so i would love to like i love the idea of trying like it's such a crazy mad scientist way to make a tv show and I was like, that would be such a fun way to do it. So I guess my answer would be like, if this is the story I'd want to tell, the one I'm doing. But I love the way that the Power Rangers stories are told with the with sort of the editing and the the, you know, the that weird combination of footage and piecing together your stories because I'm, they are some of the craziest, most. Ba- Remember the pineapple, the clown episode? Oh boy. Of course, oh. pineapple clown. Like yes. what the. That is a story about a putty that would take kids and turn them in with glitter, would turn them into cardboard cutouts. Like, who came up with that? That's amazing. Ranger danger. (laughs) Yes. Crazy, (laughs) right? Isn't that the most amazing? So, like, where are you going to get that in any other medium when you're just like – and that's a product of the crazy way that the shows are made. So I think there's just such an incredible – there's nothing like Power Rangers. And, like, so that would be – that was what I would want to do. By the way, if you want to make your own Rangers, Lisa and I have a never-ending campaign of making Rangers named Jeremy and Lisa. So, uh, hey, Seamus so, Ranger would be great. I'm nope, just saying. What a, what a, I'm writing uh, this all down. Yes. <laughs> I mean, again, you didn't get this idea from us no, no. at mm-hmm. all because you did not hear this at all from us. However, <laughs> if perchance it just kind of pops into your mind that there is a character that starts with an L, ends in Issa, you know, it's a black girl from the Bronx. I mean, you're just saying, just saying. Feel free. I will you do, know. I, I, uh, Roger that. I, 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 I. Do you need another generic white guy to be the Red Ranger? I'm your man. <laughs> we just need more of those. Oh, goodness gracious. Well, for those who are listening who have not yet read go go power rangers and you need to catch up again july 11th volume one okay that is issues one through four with a variant color cover gallery featuring so many great artists you need to go pick that up catch up read it you're not going to regret it i am telling you if you don't go and get it we will come for you we (laughs) know where you live Okay, and we will just tell you, like, you need to get your life and go and get that 
volume. Okay. Thank you so much, Ryan, for joining us and speaking with us for about everything, about everything about this comic. Thank you. Oh, my pleasure. You guys are great. Thanks for having me on.